entering into this field of practice, this journey of awakening, entering and likewise continuing in this journey. It can be helpful sometimes just to reflect, to look at and to connect with the the framework and the teachings that the Buddha offered on the specifics of the practice of awakening, on the practice of mindfulness, sati, in the context of the the primary teachings that really form the foundation for, for insight practice, insight meditation. And in that, the body is very central, primary in fact, we could say. This human existence is something that is experienced as embodied, known through embodiment. And there's an incredible benefit, incredible value that arises for us through giving attention to body. I'd like to just read a little also from the Satipatthana Sutta, the, the teachings the Buddha gave on the, the way of practice. This is Analio's translation. And just, although these, probably these words for many of you I imagine very familiar, certainly I've read and reflected on them many times myself, there's something interesting about just listening again, I think, and just remembering, or hearing, feeling what this speaks to. Now the Buddha says, you know, friends, this is the direct path for the purification of beings, for the surmounting of sorrow and lamentation, for the disappearance of dukkha and discontent, for acquiring the true method for the realization of Nibbāna, namely the four Satipatthanas, the four foundations of mindfulness. Something about that sense of the direct path, it's like the core, the essential teaching, on what leads to the, the transformation, the surmounting of sorrow and lamentation, the disappearance of dukkha and discontent, and the realization of Nibbana. And the Buddha goes on to then say, here, in regard to the body, a practitioner abides contemplating the body, diligent, clearly knowing and mindful, free from desire and discontent in regard to the world. Likewise with regard to feelings, with regard to the mind, and with regard to dukkha, sorry, with, with regard to dhammas. The practitioner abides contemplating these, diligent, clearly knowing and mindful, free from desires and discontent in regard to the world.
When I read again and when I hear these words, there's just this sense of a turning and orienting ourselves towards something very simple and immediate and a releasing our focus upon our desires and our discontent with regard to the world, understanding that the world, of course, is something in relationship to which desire and discontent arises. And turning to the body as the primary foundation. This is really the ground for all the forms of practice, all the ways of engagement we might use, whether we're developing samatha, vipassana, metta, brahma-viharas. The body is a, a ground that serves us profoundly and deeply. The first thing we notice about the body is that it's here, that it's now. When we turn our attention towards this experience, it's arising, it's available in the present. It's something that actually brings us closer to, supports us in becoming established in the immediacy of our life. And it is this immediacy which is really the gateway to all development, all cultivation. And then we're invited in, in this connecting with the immediacy of the experience of body to contemplate it, to reflect upon what is this experience. So much of the time we'll notice, of course, as we become, as we're establishing ourselves in the practice, the tendency for the attention to move to mental activity, to proliferation, to reactivity, distractedness, and all the important things of the world. Of course, our world might get a little smaller here on retreat. The world may start to shrink from being the world of things happening on the international stage or in our communities, and it starts to become the world of Gaia House, the world of our retreat, the world of our, our mat and cushion and blanket and the meals and the work, and this still is the world. And in that movement, where we find ourselves being drawn out into the world, just the simple intention, just the simple orientation to come back to the body, to re-establish the body as the central framework for the practice, for the beginning and establishing of ourselves in the way of freeing the heart and the mind. So the invitation in the and the teaching that the Buddha offers to give attention to the body invites and encourages giving attention to a number of specific areas and aspects of the body giving attention to the breath, to the breathing we use this such a support, such a remarkable support to be able to just tune in to the breathing that happens naturally, organically, by itself something so close, intimate and immediate. And simply knowing when it's long or short, rough or smooth, deep or shallow, just the simple knowing of the particularity of each breath, even the simple recognition that it's an in-breath or an out-breath. 
that the body is breathing in, body is breathing out. It's very simple. And yet what it offers is profound. So noticing the breath is the first realm of, or aspect of body that the Buddha encourages us to attend to, to develop the contemplation, the awareness, the mindfulness of. And then the Buddha speaks about posture, noticing whether we're sitting upright or lying down may seem obvious really, we don't have to think too much about it, we would imagine, whether we're walking or standing, moving or still. And yet just beginning to notice that, beginning to give attention to that, we see how easily we don't make that so important. And yet this again is a, a way of knowing the body that supports us, supports being present being awake. And noticing likewise the movements of the body. Now it's interesting the phrases, you know, the, the practitioner knows when they're stretching their arm out and knows when they're bending it. Just simple things. Paying attention to this. These ordinary everyday activities. And there's something about paying attention to the ordinary to the everyday, the very simplicity and unremarkableness of the body. That perhaps, as well as providing a grounding for our ten attention, a support for establishing ourselves more in the immediacy of our life, perhaps also begins to touch or spark a little interest, a little curiosity. Perhaps we just start to sense that something is remarkable in the fact that this arm can stretch out and bend. Or maybe it can't if it's been injured. But just the way our body moves, just the field of experience that arises in that movement, this we can attend to and we're encouraged to do so. And in attending to the body in this way, it provides a very natural way of staying present through all activities. There's so much going on, it can seem, at times. And the simplifying that comes when we just notice what's happening with the body. Huh, okay, it's sitting upright or maybe not upright. Well, now I'm walking. The legs are moving. <coughs> the arms are swinging. Simple things, again. And yet the immediacy of just attending to this, just noticing this. Something very powerful in that. And a real way to weave together the wholeness of our day. In the end, it's this that really deepens the practice finding what allows us to be engaged wholeheartedly in a sustained way from the moment we wake up until we go to sleep at night.
And the body is always there for this. And the Buddha goes on to speak about the, the parts of the body, noticing that body is also a concept, an idea. And that, in fact, when we look more closely, we see there's all these different aspects, all these different parts, we could say, that we can notice, all these different ways we can experience and describe the body. Noticing the various organs, the various fluids, the various structures within the body. The Buddha points out attending to these as a way of seeing that it's something constructed, compounded, this body. One of the old translations of contemplating the body in these terms uses the language of impurity and I think rather unfortunately for most Westerners this conveys a sense of something unclean or somehow unwholesome and this isn't really what's meant. The image, the metaphor that the Buddha uses when speaking about looking at the body's constituents' parts is as if, he says, as if one was looking into a, a sack full of grain and discerning the different kinds of grains. This one is wheat, this one is rice, this one is sesame, this one is dal. Just seeing, oh yeah, there's this, and there's this, and there's this. So in that sense, impurity, or the, the root for what that comes from, is really pointing to the fact that it's not just made of one thing. It's not like a, a jar of pure tomato sauce, which has only got tomatoes in it. There's a whole lot of different things in the body, a whole lot of different expressions of body. And seeing that, we start to, to soften, to break down the, the solid idea of body starts to reveal itself as a, as a range of experience and a range of phenomena that together we describe as body. And so we have this trajectory, this movement that goes more deeply into the experience, starting with just there is body, it's sitting or walking or standing, and then starting to see the parts of the body starting to see the interior structures, starting to notice their different expressions, the different parts. And then the Buddha invites us to, to look a little further, to also notice that this experience can be understood and framed in terms of the elements, in terms of earth, water, fire, air. And that when we start to go a little beneath the concepts and the ideas. What we encounter are simple sensory experiences of warmth, of pressure, of movement. And we're invited also to know the body in this way. When we when we pay attention to the, the places we feel the weight of our body, the firmness, the solidity of the body. This is earth element, that sense of density, of hardness, of solidity, of weightiness. And just coming to know, ah, oh, this is earth element. Reflecting on it in this way. At times it can be useful. We say, 
Perhaps when we begin a sitting, to just take a moment to feel that we're sitting on the earth. And yet, in fact, this is earth sitting on earth. Something that has this quality of solidity, substantiality, firmness or hardness. And we can just sense the body at times in this way. We also notice the movements of the body as the breath flows into and leaves the body as we move through the day. Air element is expressed through movement. Through fluidity, through the way things change from one thing to another. And so there's literally, of course, the air element being drawn into the body and released with every breath. And that movement of breathing takes place through the movements of the body as the muscles contract, expanding the diaphragm, expanding the, um, the chest as the diaphragm can, contracts. Releasing the air as the muscles release. And so we see there's a relationship between the air entering and leaving our body and the expression of the air element of movement in the body. Just simple things we can notice. We can notice the sense of temperature, of warmth, of coolness in the body, fire element. Again, something kind of ordinary, and yet when we, well, we see it in those terms, rather than too hot, too cold, ah, it's this particular quality expressing itself. Fire element. And the fourth element, water, is cohesion. The togetherness of things that we experience. And I remember when I first hearing this, it used to be a little, it was a little puzzling, sort of cohesion, water. It's mostly wet, isn't it? But in fact, if you think about it, when you add water to a pile of dust, it becomes clay or mud. You add water to a pile of flour, it becomes dough. If you take the water out of this body, it's simply a pile of dust. And so the water element has that effect. It's the way it's understood. And so noticing the way in which the experience coheres. There are parts, and yet at the same time, there's a certain togetherness about body, a certain wholeness to it, which is the expression of the water element. And there's another elemental experience which some translations appears and, and others not. The experience of space, of openness, the absences in the body that allow the air to be drawn in and released. The space around us through which the body moves. We tend to think body is just the substance we call our body. And it can yet Yet it can only be so and in this way because there is the space for it to arise in. There is the space around it. And so we can notice space likewise. 
the space when one out-breath has gone out and the next has not yet come in. The space at the end of one step and before the next begins. That sense of absence is sometimes what stands out and just noticing this. Attending to the body offers us many different ways of exploring our experience. We can likewise contemplate it, reflect upon it, to see that it is changing, impermanent, not always as it was, not now as it will be. We can see that this changing phenomena called body, all the different ways it's expressed, all the different ways it can be known. It's not something we can seek ultimate satisfaction and fulfillment in or through. It's not something we can ultimately find a reliable ground for establishing our sense of, of me or mine. Body is not our possession, ultimately. But it is nonetheless something available to us. So to engage with the body in the practice of being awake is to both encounter its simplicity, its ordinariness, and yet equally the many different dimensions of what body expresses and reveals. To notice how we do tend at times to identify with it. And to see what it is to contemplate, to experience body as just body. Not my body, but nor somehow something else or other. The experience of body is so immediate. So directly available. And yet, to see where we might tend to take hold of that. To really care for this body out of respect, out of appreciation, to honour the support it gives us, to nourish it, to care for it. And in a sense we can say, of course, yes, taking care of oneself, taking care of one's body, expressing kindness towards my body, towards this body. and yet understanding that it's not ultimately ours. And the Buddha goes on to 
suggest in contemplating the body that we we look at that way we attach to the body or we address that tendency to become very attached to the body by contemplating its death by contemplating the impermanence of the body very directly and the skeleton in the, in the walking room is a, really an invitation to contemplate that this body is not forever certainly not in the form it appears now And to see what that might mean for us, to contemplate this body as something not here forever. I remember one retreatant speaking after spending some time contemplating the, contemplating the skeleton. He, he reported that uh, he just suddenly understood of his life that uh, he said I could have been more kind something very simple and yet profound that comes when we really let in the truth of what it means to be embodied for just a while So we can contemplate the body. We can use it as a simple foundation for bare attention, for mindfulness. We can contemplate the significance of the body. What it means when we don't take it for granted, when we don't allow ourselves to forget that it's a remarkable thing that there is this embodied consciousness, this capacity for wakefulness, awareness, mindfulness, somehow co-emerging with this body, with this life. And it provides the ground really for all the practices that we engage in. The contemplations, reflections in this way, seeing the nature of the body as expressing the, the nature of all things to be changing, impermanent, unfixed, anicca. To be something not able to give us lasting, continuous or permanent fulfillment and satisfaction. To be an expression of the truth of dukkha. And likewise to be something by which we cannot define ourselves. And if we attempt to fix ourselves too, we find we become entangled in a way that isn't required for our life 
to see the anatta dimension of the body. This is of the nature of life, not of self. And in those contemplations, this ground for being awake, for being present, as the basis through which the seeing deepens. Likewise with the other practices of uh, if one is engaging in, in metta, Brahma-vihara practices, cultivating loving-kindness, friendliness, or karuna, development of compassion. Mudita, the development and cultivation of appreciative joy. Or likewise, upeka, equanimity, developing that stability. In all of these practices, it's really helpful to let the body continue to be a central ground within the field of practice. So sometimes with the, with the form of Brahma-vihara practice we can become a little ungrounded, a little too much attention going towards the contemplation, the reflection and the, the way we're extending or developing those qualities. And so it's just useful to, to pay attention to the body together with the contemplation of bringing someone or some beings to mind and reflecting in the ways that give rise to and give support to the qualities of, of heart that can come. I remember one of my teachers in, in America telling me once about her, her experience with uh, doing the metta practice and forgetting this particular wisdom and she said that she uh, we're so busy practicing, wishing loving kindness and well-being for, for all, all creatures that she, uh, she having gathered her dinner and put it on the chair, went back to get a glass of water and came back and then sat in her dinner, full of loving kindness, but not very present in her body, not very mindful. And I had a similar experience myself once, practicing loving kindness meditation and going to take a a cup of tea from a large bucket full of tea with a ladle and putting my cup up and having the ladle ready to fill it and then just realizing as I was going, may all beings be happy, may all beings be free, that the cup was upside down. It was cylindrical, so it looked pretty much the same either way, but there was no opening. I was just about to pour a ladle full of scalding hot tea all over my cup, hand and probably neighbors. And it's sort of, oh, okay, yes attention to the body, noticing actually what's going on here. It's really helpful. And in that, the sensitivity with the body, paying attention to the body, I think naturally brings also, as we notice, it's, it's very organic nature. 
it's 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 not so much a something in the way we maybe think about it but when we when we feel into it one of the primary characteristics of the body is its ability to be impacted its vulnerability it being subject to discomfort at times at times injury and illness and there may be different ways our bodies are limited no longer able to do what they once could or perhaps never having been able to do what other bodies, some other bodies might have been able to do. Even just, I notice myself, I'm still, it's been going on for a few years now, constantly playing with a pair of glasses, looking at them sometimes, and other times not using them. Um, I'm sure some of you will know that dance. And it's like, oh yeah, sort of my eyes work, and sort of they don't. And just really letting ourselves be touched by that. So not somehow taking the invitation to pay attention, to be present in a way in which we're not creating a story so much out of our experience, yet not stepping away from denying or avoiding what also it shows us to be in touch with the body, is to be in touch with something profoundly vulnerable. And I think the natural response to that is a, is a kindliness. When we can move beyond the perhaps reaction of discontent or frustration or not liking the discomforts or the inconveniences that arise. It's just, ah, oh, ah, oh, look. That's how it is for a body. That's how it is to be a practitioner with a body. And the body is also very much the framework and the ground for some of the practice, for the development, for the cultivation of calm. And the steadiness and unification of heart and mind and body that leads to, to absorption, to jhana. We very much establish our attention in the bodily field, in the bodily experience. And the process of the mind settling more fully, more deeply, more completely into the bodily field until the two are quite inseparable. So the consciousness and the, the mindfulness, the, that mental energy, we could say, and capacity is absorbed in and unified with the field of energy of the body. And it's this that we call absorption. Again, founded on the body. Attention to the body. Connection with the body. And practicing in this, in this direction, the invitation is really to allow that process to, to penetrate, to steep, to fill the body, to allow the attention to soak in deeply to the very cells and the, the field of experience that arises as ultimately a unified and unifying field of experience. And so body is, 
is central, is primary. We call it perhaps the primary foundation for practice. Of course, body is not always easy. Sometimes it's the place we experience many challenges. Discomfort, restlessness, drowsiness, all these things expressed through the body. And yet also to really take a moment to be grateful for the fact we have this body. As one teacher I know observed once, he said, uh, you know, it's hard practicing with a body, it's true. But it's much harder practicing without one. So we can have some gratitude for this opportunity we have. To practice. And I'd like to just read a little, well, actually it's of the benefits that the Buddha spoke of in the uh, One of the suttas on the mindfulness of of body, Kayagata Sati Sutta. He says that by being mindful of the body, one learns to conquer discontent and delight, and fear and dread. That the ability to abide in our body and begin to handle and make space for the responses we sometimes experience in relationship to it is the basis for freeing our hearts and minds from discontent and delight from fear and dread so much of this comes back down to our wish for certain kinds of experience and our wish to not have other kinds and its bodily experience around which this ultimately centers. Simply being mindful without desiring it to be one way, without rejecting it from the way that it is, or in the way that it is. That one can learn to bear cold and heat, hunger and thirst, discomfort, harsh words and painful feelings. And it's interesting, attention to the body as the basis for being able to bear not just physical discomfort, but that which we might call emotional discomfort, harsh words and painful feelings. The ability to abide in the body provides the ground of well-being. And the reference point from which we can release the pull to become caught in our reactions through mindfulness of the body one obtains the development of concentration of absorptions without difficulty and establishes a pleasant abiding here and now the basis of developing the supernormal powers not something spoken of so much not necessary that it needs to be a priority but it's kind of interesting nonetheless this is again something the Buddha points out it's through mindfulness of the body. And that ultimately, through mindfulness of the body, the benefits of this practice is to, to reach and to abide in the deliverance of heart and mind. 
So this first foundation of mindfulness, the paying attention to the body, to using this as the ground, is not just the place we begin the practice. It's not just where we start or how we establish ourselves, but very much accompanies the journey and is also the basis for its fulfillment, its fruition. And so the Buddha speaks of this when he says, rather, I think a well-known phrase of his, you know, within this fathom-long body, fathom is about six foot, two meters. I always think of it as fathom because uh, that was the first translations, <laughs> old Victorian English. Within this fathom-long body, all of the Dharma is revealed. Suffering and its cause, the end of suffering and the path thereto, it's all revealed within the body. And so this very positive invitation and the, the sense of possibility of what it offers something very simple and yet profound. And these, these teachings, these areas of reflection, you know, the, the Satipatthana Sutta, one can read it, reflect on it, come back to it again and again. I remember the first time I actually read the teaching directly was a translation in the, the book The Heart of Buddhist Meditation by Nyanaponika Terra, which I first encountered when I was in Asia. The first Dharma book I had, and I had a copy of the Satipatthana Sutta, his translation, which I couldn't find or I'd have brought it because it's one of my favorite ones. But sometimes they're just going back to, reflecting on, remembering, even if it's not something unfamiliar to us, just remembering. This body, this practice of mindfulness, of being awake. This is the direct path for the purification of beings, for the surmounting of sorrow and lamentation, for the disappearance of pain and grief, for the attainment of the true way for the realization of Nibbana, namely the four foundations of mindfulness. This is Bhikkhu Bodhi's translation. And so, engaging in this way, engaging in this practice, this is something truly blessed to do this, something truly wonderful in fact, that you do this. May it lead to the greatest fruit.
for the well-being of each of us, for the welfare of all beings. So let's sit quietly for a few minutes.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.